Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Hello. Hello, 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 hello. Good morning, good morning. Good morning, everybody. Um, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Okay. I'll wait a couple of minutes more to see if anybody else comes on before I get started.
Okay. All right. Good morning, everybody. Um, God bless you. Thank you for coming and spending time with me this morning to um, for the Bible study for today. Um, we've been going through Matthew, the book of Matthew, um, looking to to look at what Christ um, is saying about our relationship with him and the Most High God and, um, you know, exactly what we as believers are supposed to be doing. Um, it started, it, the, the title of the Bible study <clears throat> is Who Told Us to Stop at Paul? Who Told Us to Stop at Paul? And I, as always, I begin each Bible study with the question and this disclaimer. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with the letters of Paul. Most of the New Testament is letters by Paul to the different churches. However, the thing is, um, even though we have the letters written by Paul, who told us to stop there? Because the first um, four books of the of the New Testament, <clears throat> Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I'm sorry, the first five, and Acts are written by people that actually walked with Christ. So you have an, uh, a biography, a bi- biographical um, record of things that Christ said to the people of God. Um, his instructions, you know, his insights, his parables, his revelations. And so for us to stop at Paul is like first natural and spiritual. You're going into a friendship with someone but never talking to that person because um you're still going by third-party um, information because you're still only talking to the one that introduced you. That's not a relationship. So um, that being said, Father God, we thank you for um, another day. Thank you for waking us up this morning in our right mind, excuse me.
Thank you for waking us up this morning in our right mind, healthy bodies, the activity of our limbs. Thank you for watching over us as we slept, keeping us from all hurt, harm, and danger, protecting us from the the traps and snares that the enemy set of acts of violence and, and um, sudden death and sudden illnesses that are on set as we sleep. And Lord, we just thank you because someone didn't wake up this morning or they woke up and they were they were ill or not feeling well, but God, we're here and we are whole and we're, we're willing and able to do all that you want us to do today. Lord, as we go through your word, we speak that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. No weapon of sickness, illness, disease, infection, plague, or allergy from bacteria, fungal, parasites, chemical, man-made, bug bite, nothing that we eat, drink, breathe, or touch shall cause us mental or physical harm. A thousand shall fall on our side and ten thousand on our right hand, but none shall come near where we dwell. That means our body, our houses, at work, in the car, on the bus, on the train, while we walk, everywhere we go is blessed and protected because we put ourselves under the shadow of your wing and cover ourselves under the blood of Yeshua from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. And we thank you for that protection. We thank you for the provision of food and clothing and shelter and finances and good health. We thank you, Lord, especially for your presence because you still want two or three gathered in your name you are in the midst. And so, Lord, I know it's me and the Holy Spirit this morning. So that's the two. And so, Lord, we just praise your name. We glorify you. We thank you for your presence here today because we're wanting to get to know you so that we can have a, a relationship with you for ourselves. And we apologize for not coming closer and for letting letting history repeat itself over and over again where everyone cries out and says, we don't want to hear directly from your mouth. We want to hear from the men and women of God. We want to hear from the prophet or the minister instead of directly from, from your heart from your spirit to our spirit, from your heart to our heart. But, Lord, here we are at at your feet, at your throne, the whole purpose of the sacrifice of your son, to be able to sit down and talk with you directly for our good but for your glory, because it's in your glory that we find peace. Rest, love, patience, all the fruit and <clears throat> gifts of the Spirit 
for us to be able to get through this day. And we thank you for it. In the name of Yeshua, we pray. Amen. Okay. So, last week, um, we ended in chapter... Fifteen. <clears throat> we ended in chapter fifteen, and um, it, it ended with Christ again showing the power of His ability by the grace of God to multiply. and feed, get provision of food to the people of God, to those who follow him. So um, the first time he was, you know, the first time he said, you know, over Ten thousand people, men, women, and children, with two fish and five loaves of bread. And here, he 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 um, and he had twelve baskets of food left. And here in chapter, excuse me, in chapter fifteen. He ends up with um, seven loaves of bread and some small fish, and he feeds over eight thousand people with um, he feeds over eight thousand people, and he has twelve about seven baskets left of food. So now we're going to go into um, chapter 16. And um, let's see what Christ has to tell us in chapter 16 because he's been showing example upon example of what a believer and how a believer is supposed to to live and act um, because the thing is his example is based his living example is based on what the Pharisees and the scribes were trying to basically trip him up on. Uh, the, the law and the commands. And what Christ is teaching us is that there is a gray area. There is a gray area. There is not everything that was written in the law and in the commands, not in the commands, but in the law, that there are, there are, um, 
It's not a loophole or what is it? it was right there. You do it basically, it's like a think of the word, you can do it by case by case. It, there are certain circumstances where you cannot be strictly by the law. And so he talked about the, you know, the Sabbath, and he talked about, um, you know, healing and things of that nature. And the scribes and the Pharisees couldn't, still couldn't get that, you know, there are circumstances where you, where you have to not be fully on point because something else comes up where you where you might not be able to follow it to the letter. But again, based on your heart, because that's what God judges. He judges what was your what was your heart um what was your heart when you did what you did or said what you said. So um, and that's where we as believers get it wrong because we can't see the heart of man. Someone may act holy, someone may look holy, but what is in their heart? What is their motivation? What is the reason? The reason why they did what they did or said what they said. We can only go by whatever they say, what they tell us. But God looks at the heart of man and he says, No, no, you weren't even you weren't even close to doing that because you know, um because you were being compassionate. You were doing that so you could rub it in that person's face or be patted on the back. So let's go into chapter 16 of Matthew and see what the Lord has for us today. Okay, so. Um, in my Bible, it says Pharisees ask for a sign. The Pharisees also with the Sadducees came and tempting desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. Okay, so even starting right there, you know, um, that's what a lot of Christians, i put that in quotes, especially the, the, the Roman Catholic Church, and that's why, you know, they look for signs. They're looking for signs to, to confirm that, you know, whoever that, Whoever, you know, if you're God, show me a sign. But God has already said, I'm not going to show 
If you're not already a believer, I'm not going to keep showing you signs because then you're going to want another one, and then you're going to want another one, and then you go and and you're still not going to believe. You have to believe in me as it's already been written. But I will give those who truly already believe in me. That truly already believe in me. I will still show them signs. I will still show them signs. And so, um, but they, but again, it's based on your belief. Hold on one second.
Sorry about that. I had um I had to look up something real quick. Okay. Um because uh, we have to hold on one second. Hold on one second. Good morning. Good morning. Mm, how, how are you? I'm good and you. Mm. Mm-hmm. I woke up, I set the alarm, and I woke up at 7, 7, 7.15, and, you know, laid back down, and that's all she wrote. <laughs> it's okay. Um, I got started. Um, I didn't get far. Mm. I, 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 um... I got, I'm not going to say sidetracked, but as I was about to start the reading, I was led to get some definitions. So um, I was doing that when you came on. So, you know, yeah, so I didn't get too far. Okay. Um, well, carry on. I I need to, to, to work while you're talking. Okay. Um, okay, so... We're coming out of Matthew 16 today. Matthew 16. Okay, so um, in verse 1 it says, The Pharisees also with the Sadducees came, and tempting desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. And he answered and said unto them, When it is evening, you shall say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. And, oh, you hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern 
this science at the times, a wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and there shall no sign be given unto it but the sign of the prophet Jonah. And he left them and departed. And so again, Christ again basically repeated what God had already said. He said he was not going to show any more signs to unbelievers to make them believe. It's either you believe or you don't. And so what I had to look up was the Pharisees and the Sadducees because the thing is, again, there's nothing new under the sun. And we always say, you know, don't be a Pharisee, don't be a Sadducee, don't be a hypocrite, blah, blah, blah. But do we know what they are? Do we know what a Pharisee is? Do we know what a Sadducee is? And the answer is no. When was the last time we actually looked it up? And, um, you know, so I was I was basically compelled to look up, up what a Sadducee and what a Pharisee is. And basically, again, there's nothing new under the sun. It comes down to two factions of religions that are against the the body of Christ. Just like it is now, so it was then. Two factions that are against the body of Christ. And so a Pharisee is is a sect of Jewish believers that are strictly observant of traditional and written law. They separated themselves, and they believed in the resurrection and immortality, but they were self-righteous, pretentious, and sanctimonious. Okay? A Sadducee, was a religion that denied the resurrection and the existence of angels. But they were very, um, they lived by the oral tradition of the law alone. So the same thing that we're dealing with now. We have two factions that sounds just like a Pharisee and a Sadducee coming against the body of Christ because the body of Christ it's about freedom. It's about freedom and the truth of a relationship with God. So <clears throat> So now we see that, again, there's nothing new under the sun, that it's still to this day two 
main religions that are against the body of Christ, even though we're all saying the same thing in certain areas, but the root of it is what is the issue. Because in both in the other two, there's no freedom or there's there's no accountability or there's too much accountability, but there's no freedom to really have a relationship with the most high God. There's no there's no room for it. There's no room for it. So verse five, and when his disciples were come to the other side, so this all took place because what happened was he sent the other he sent the disciples away. No, I'm sorry. Going back to verse um, 39 in chapter 15, after he fed the multitude, he took a ship to the coast of Magdala. And so that's when the Sadducees and the Pharisees came to him asking for a sign. And so now the disciples have caught up with him and, you know, um, Okay. So, and so it says, and when the disciples were come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said unto them, take heed and beware of the leaven of the Sadducees and of, I'm sorry, of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. He said, and so they reasoned among themselves, saying, it is because we have taken no bread, which when Jesus perceived, he said unto them, O ye of little faith, why reason you among yourselves because you have brought no bread? Do you not yet understand, neither remember, the five loaves of the 5,000, and how many baskets she took up, neither the seven loaves of the 4,000, and how many baskets she took up. How is it that you do not understand that I spake it not to you concerning bread, that you should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Then understood they how that he bade them not beware of the leaven of the bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And so 
that's the thing, you know. A little, and there's a scripture that says, a little leaven destroys the whole, um, destroys the whole loan. Let me see if I can find that. And the thing is, you know, we have to be aware, you know, even though we are, you know, as we study and as we gain closer um, insight into our individual relationships with God, we cannot let someone else come in and change what God has revealed to us or change what we know is the truth of the word of God, knowing that we're learning, knowing that it was it was revealed to us by the Spirit of God, and then letting those who are strictly by the written word, strictly by the written word, um, unwilling to be Like Abraham, wow, because we have to go back to Abraham, you know, um, because, again, that's that gray area. I I call it a gray area. Maybe I'm saying it wrong. Maybe there's another way to word it, but that's the only way I can describe it because think about it. God is very fluid. He's he's a, he's a spirit. He's a spirit. He uses oil for anointing. Oil when it's when oil in its original state. And and I got this revelation the other day. My daughter was like, "My had this oil in my car." And it 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 um the the container broke and it got into every crack and crevice of her book bag and everything that was in her book bag and you know, she opened up her makeup and it got in her makeup and all this other stuff and that's how our relationship with God is supposed to be. Like he gets into everything. And so if we look at the, if we look, when we look at the relationship between God and Abraham, we will understand why Christ had to come back. Because looking at what God did with Abraham on several occasions, but just when it came down to Sodom and Gomorrah, when it came down to his um, the promise of Isaac and 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 things of that nature, there was a there was an area in there where there was a shift, and even in spite of the law and the commands and everything, there was a shift, and, but it still fell within the paradigm of the law. It's 
themselves in the in the paradigm of excuse me of what God had already established, but God was God was based on the actions of Abraham and the faith of Abraham and where Abraham's heart was. He 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 rearranged some things. He fixed some things. He turned some things. The same way with Moses, it was David. So and and with Jacob and Israel. So it's like we cannot say that there's not an area in the in, in our relationship with God where He won't make adjustments for choices made or not made or actions taken or anything like that. But the thing is, the thing that he wants us to look out for is those those that will have you look at his word and make you think that you have to strictly be about the law because there are, thank you, Lord, there are exceptions to the rule. But again, he looks at the heart of man when these exceptions are made. Did you make an exception because of the person or because of where your heart is? So looking at... um. Like bringing it to life application today. Hold on one second. Oh, Lord, thank you, Lord. Okay. Did you ask a question? Um, yeah, do you have any questions, comments? No, I'm good. Okay. Okay. Hold on one second. Okay, so um Okay. I'm sorry. Hold on one second. Good morning.
Good morning. Okay, so <clears throat> um, so Christ said a little bit of leaven destroys, and so the what what the revelation that we see was like we're still there. The church is still there. Like we are seeing miracles take place. We are seeing signs and wonders, and we're still asking the same question. Something made us become a believer. Something that the Spirit of the Lord showed us, revealed to us. It it could have been a miracle. It could have been a scripture. It could have been anything. And you know, and and we're walking with God. We're walking with the Holy Spirit. Because we're like, wait, something makes us take our eyes off of Christ, off of our faith in God, and makes us start questioning again. And Christ is just looking like, what? What is going on? Why why y'all keep, you know, I need y'all to stay focused. I need y'all to stay focused. What is making y'all ask all these questions? Y'all been with me for three years. Y'all seen the you've seen the miracles. So I'm not talking to you. You've seen the signs. You see what I can do. What are you talking about? And I think that's another reason why you know. I, and this again, now I'm, I'm you know. This is why I said why we stop at Paul, because the thing is now coming from Felicia and reading this for, you know, based on what is being said and done. I mean, think about it. If I'm coming to somebody who says that they know me and you've read the book, you've read the, you've read the prophecies of Isaiah and of Daniel, you read David and Nathan and Hosea and, you know, and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, and you have all of this knowledge and foreknowledge of what's being foretold about my coming. And now that I'm here and you're not receiving me, but you say you know me, and, I, and I'm and I'm wanting to do all the miracles and the signs and give you what the Father has promised, but you don't even you don't receive me. You're not receiving me. I don't get it. What more do I need to do? Now you're asking for more signs. You know, you you walked with me. I've given sight to the blind. I made the lame to walk, and you're still asking me for signs? When was the last time you touched somebody and they walked? Never. When was the last time you, you know, 
You touched your eyes and they were able to see. Never. So why is it you're asking me for more signs? Would I have done everything that was prophesied about the coming of the Messiah? What more do you want? And that has to hurt because, you know, you're like, I'm standing right here. Am I invisible? I guess I'm invisible. I'm not about to defend myself. I'm not about to plead with y'all. You know, whoever believes will believe. It's as simple as that. So, um, verse 13 of chapter 16 in Matthew. So, when Jesus came into the coasts of Caesarea, Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say, You are John the Baptist. Some, Elias. And others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said unto them, But who say you that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto you that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. And so this goes back to the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And he gave the keys to the kingdom of heaven back when he was talking to them on the mount. And he was explaining to them what the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he explained what. So the church now based on what the father had what the father had revealed in the spirit to Peter, he says, upon this rock, so upon that truth, that truth that Peter had spoken, that's what the church is built on. That he is the son of the most high God, the living God. Upon that rock is what the church is built on. Not upon, you know, um, Paul. Not upon Peter or John, 
but upon the rock that Christ is the Son of the Most High God. That's what the church is built on. That's it. That's all. It's not built on, you know, it's not built on your the way you dress, the way you, you know, the, again, it's built on knowing that Christ is the Son of the Most High God. And based on that, we can receive the keys of the kingdom. And the keys of the kingdom are health, strength, the, you know, being able to heal the sick, raise the dead, you know, help people, you know, open the blind eye, free those who are bound. Those are the keys of the kingdom of heaven. So what is loose on earth is loosed in heaven, bound in earth is bound in heaven. So, oh, hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And the gates of hell should not prevail against it. The gates of hell cannot prevail against the foundation, the rock of the church, which is Christ is the living, is the son of the living most high God. The gates of hell cannot prevail against that. Hold on one second. Oh, thank you, Lord. And then going to um, going to Luke nine and twenty one. This is a, a, an addendum, an add-on, or a, the other perspective of this revelation, because it says in Luke, he says. The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be slain and be raised the third day. And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. And follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed. And when he shall come in his glory 
and in his fathers, and of the holy angels. Did I read that right? Let me go back. Verse 25. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in his fathers and of the holy angels. But I tell you of a truth, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the kingdom of God. Going back to Matthew, so that's saying that here it says he's letting them know that he's going to have to be suffered. He's letting them know that there will be he'll be he's going to be persecuted. The thing is, all this time they have been trying to come at him, and when I say come at him, it means they've been coming after him. They've been trying to to make him slip up and lie or do whatever so that they can so that they can cast judgment on him. But everything that he says and does is within the parameters of the law still. So he's not doing anything. He's not sinning. He's not, you know, so they can't say Oh, you know, we can stone him or whatever, because he hasn't done anything. The word says he did not sin, and he still did not sin. But he's saying that it's going to come a time where he's going to be rejected and slain. So this means, and so he's he's preparing the disciples, and you know. And then um, it says here that you're going to have to give your life up. Does that mean you have to die? No, but it does. It, it goes back to the story of the, the rich man who came and said, what do I do to follow you? What are you willing to give up to follow me? It's basically what? But what is what is what is being said here? What are you willing to give up? Are you willing to give up your your ambition to become the next Fantasia, the next Beyonce? Are you willing to give up the the the, the dream of being the next Rockefeller or um um? Jobs? Are you willing to give that up? Because basically, what it says, um, what you know, what profit a man to gain the world and lose his soul? So you know that's what he's saying. And then if you deny me, I'm going to have to deny you. It's as simple as that. If you deny me for comfort's sake, 
that I will have to deny you when the time comes. Okay. So, um, verse 21. From that time forth, verse 21 of chapter 16 of Matthew, and it says, from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem. So now he has to go, you know, um, he gave, he, in, in, in Luke, he said, you know, Luke lets you know what Christ, Christ had already told them, that he was going to be persecuted. So Matthew is saying where this persecution is going to take place. So um, just a little side note, I mean, that's one thing, too, that we have to understand the different perspectives given in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John gives us a full story. So if, if I jump around a little bit, that's what I'm doing, trying to give us the full story. And so um, it says here in Matthew that he must go unto Jerusalem. So he already knew. So now he knows where he has to go, and he knows what's going to happen once he gets there. And suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from you, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get you behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me. For you savest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. And so, people say, well, why did he call him Satan? Because Christ always spoke the truth. He always spoke the truth. Because he's the son of man, he's the son of God. So, you know, him telling them this thing here, and for you to rebuke him, uh uh-uh, hold up. You already said, like, 10 minutes ago, Peter, that I am the son of the living God, the most high God. And I've already established that whatever I say, it has to come to pass. It will come to pass. So I'm telling you what's going to happen. You're telling me it's not so. Then that's not that's not you. That is the spirit of Satan because you already know what I say is going to happen. And we have to get that understanding too. Because if we're talking the truth of the scriptures, it's written. It is written. You know it is written. You might paraphrase it because of our present-day colloquialisms and, 
you know, and, and the way we have our slang and, and all this other stuff. But the, the, the root of it is still based and grounded in the word. And somebody comes and tells you that you're wrong, that is the enemy. So you can tell them, I rebuke you. I know what I'm talking about. It's in the book. Let me find it for you. It might take, and the thing is, it might take you a minute. You know where you've read it before. You might even have it highlighted. But for someone to come and tell you that you're wrong, and you knowing the word, then you can tell them, I rebuke you, devil, back up off me. I know what the word of God said. So if you're, if you're speaking healing over your body, if you're speaking over your finances or your family or your you know situation or circumstance, and you're using the word of God and, and, and that, that flash of doubt or somebody talks to you and tries to tell you that you're wrong, he says it right here. Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me. That's what you should be offended because you're speaking the truth. The truth should not be an offense to you. The truth should not be an offense to anybody. This is the only time the word offense should be used, but it's strange today. In life application, people are offended by the truth. And they use this same word out of context. I'm offended. By the truth, you're offended? By the truth? Okay. Let me go on. And it says, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is the man? And again, this is also what we just read in Mark. For what is the man? Profit it if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul. Or what should a man give in exchange for his soul? So there's an exchange if you're not giving if you're not if you're not living for Christ, what are you living for? And in that exchange what are you giving up? Your eternity? Your relationship with God? But the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then shall then he shall reward every man according to his works. Verily I say unto you, so faith without works, because again, for you to 
lose your life and find it for his sake to take up your cross and follow him. The cross is faith. It's not hardship. It's not situation and circumstances. It's your it's your faith. Do you have faith in me? Yes, Erica. So um, the truth is not conducive to the life they desire. And choose to live so the lie. Choose to live a lie which is made up is better. It even looks better to them. Others sound better and prosper as well. Yes. And that's the thing. It's, 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 and the thing is, it's not. Because um, even as I'm as I read what you wrote, Erica, and as I'm reading this, it's not that God does not want us to prosper, but there's a priority. And um, I was I was listening to Sam yesterday, and if your priority is God first, everything else is added. So again. He he, didn't, he doesn't say no all the time, but he does say wait because there's things that I need for you to do for the kingdom's sake. There's things that I need you to do for for for, for my glory first. You know, my glory comes first. Then I'll you know I'll provide for you. I'll give you everything that you need. In your obedience and your willingness to let your life lay your life to the side for me, wow! You lay your life to the side for me and follow what I'm telling you to do. I got you. You wanted that Ferrari, I got you. But first, I need you to drive this Pinto for the next ten years. Because there's some things I need for you to do for the kingdom. There's some things I need you to learn. There's some things that, you know, but as you notice, the Pinto, that engine is staying. You, the, all you need to do is change the tires. You got 200,000 miles on this Pinto. And it has not broken down not once to the point where you had to come out of pocket with a whole bunch of money. But it's because of your faithfulness that it's still running. I mean, it might have rust spots or whatever, but it gets you from point A to point B. But now that you have shown your obedience and your willingness and everything that I've asked of you, you've done, here we go, your next level. Here's the car that you wanted. Here's some of the things that you wanted. But even at this level, I need you to do some things for the kingdom. So you would already know that you put this part of your life to the side. So he says, you do. Well, thank you, Lord. Okay. Um, he says, there will be some 
standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Are there any other questions, comments, criticisms, or concerns before we go to the next chapter? Okay, so we're going to go into um, chapter 17. We're going to finish chapter 17, and that will be the end of Bible study today. Okay, so in my Bible, for chapter 17, it says the transfiguration. And it says that after six days, so it gives us a time period. He gives us a time period. And he says, after six days, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John, his brother, So is this John, James's brother, or John, Jesus's brother? And brings them up into a high mountain apart. So this is his inner circle. Peter, James, and John. Because other than the letters of Paul, which take up most of the New Testament, you have the first and second Peter, first, second, and third John, and you have James. which I always found interesting. This is just a side note for me because I always thought it strange that their letters were put at the back and Jude. Um, But all of Paul was kept together. And in this, and I thought, well, and it's because the doctrine, a lot of the doctrines and um, divisions are because of the letters of Paul. So when I first, when I was first given this topic, I was like, wow, that's something. Because if we had gone back and actually read Christ, you know, what Christ said, or gone back and and read what God said, would we still be where we are now? Would we have all these different denominations and divisions in the denomination? And, you know, it's, it's sad because. There's only one church. 
he said, upon this rock, this rock of truth, that Yeshua is the son of the most high God, of the living God. That's it. That's all. It's not about, you know, you know, it's, it, it, there are no divisions. Everything else is based on Christ being the son of the most high God and believing that to anyone. So Christ took Peter, James, and John up into a high mountain apart and was transfigured before them. So before the eyes of Peter, James, and John, his body was transfigured. What is transfigured? Well, let's look that up. Let's look that up. Because, I mean, we can say we know what transfigured means, but let's be sure. Transfigured. Jeez, I got a chill. Okay. Transfiguration. They actually have a denomination. I'm sorry, one second. Transfiguration. Transfiguration is defined as a complete change of form or appearance into a more beautiful or spiritual state. First, natural, then spiritual. I mean, and and it just came to me, it's like transgenderism. Everything that, everything that God has done, the enemy has established a cheap copy. 
So you have his omnipresence. You know, um, we have the World Wide Web. You know, you, we have, uh, he's uh, able to, we have the prophets in the foretelling of the future. They have their psychics and, you know, and dream tellers. Christ transfigured himself before Peter, James, and John, and you have to, and transfiguration based on that, you have all these people who are using plastic surgery to change their original state to what they deem to be more beautiful or spiritual or whatever. So everything is, is, okay, anyway, I digress, sorry. So, um, and so verse 2, chapter 17 of Matthew, and was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him. Then answered Peter and said unto Christ, unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you will, let us make here three tabernacles. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elias. Let me stick a pen in this for one second. I was always under the impression that, oh, Lord, have mercy. And again, this is where we are, even at this church age. This is why we have to read the word of God for ourselves. Because, and and again, reiterating, why did we stop at Paul? Because Paul didn't walk with Christ the way the disciples walked with Christ. And even, and and to show you, you can't even go by the disciples, you have to gain knowledge through knowing Christ. It says right here, Peter, James, and John stood there and saw Christ change his appearance to his spiritual nature, talking to Moses and Elias, two people who passed years before and heard them talking amongst themselves. And, I, and, um, and it's like, then for Peter to deny him, and I know I'm going, I'm going further into the, into the book of Matthew, but for Peter to deny him after witnessing this right here, it's just 
like now I can understand why he was so hard on himself. I cannot understand why he was so like, Lord, I'm sorry. So just downtrodden and just, uh, because he was there. He was there. After he, after the spirit of the Lord revealed that Christ was the son of the living God, and then he saw the transfiguration of the same man and then to deny him. Wow. That's deep. That's deep. Anyway, going back, and then answer Peter. Um, chapter verse 5. While he yet spoke, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, And behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, so, wow, okay. This is my beloved son and who I am well pleased. Hear you him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and be not afraid. So, this is the second time God came down and spoke directly to the ears of those who were around Christ. And he said, this is my son. And he was pleased with what he's been doing. And because of his voice, just because of the voice alone, they were afraid. And Christ said, arise and be not afraid. And it says in verse 8, and when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus, excuse me, charged them, saying, tell the vision to no man until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. Excuse me. And his disciples asked him, saying, why didn't say the scribes that Elias must first come. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elias truly shall first come and restore all things. But I say unto you that Elias is come already, and they knew him not, but have done unto him whatsoever they listed. Likewise, shall the Son of Man suffer of them. Then the disciples understood that he spake unto them of John the Baptist. So again, there's nothing new under the sun. 
when before the rapture, which some people say there is no rapture, some people say we're going to go through things first, and then, you know, there's mid-tribulation, before tribulation, after tribulation, whatever. It doesn't matter. At some point, the church and the spirit of the Most High God will be lifted from the earth, and there will be complete chaos. But before that time, before that time, there shall be two witnesses that come. Two witnesses shall come, and they are saying that it could be Elias because he didn't die, and um, the other one that didn't die. Um, Elijah didn't die, and Enoch. So there will become another time where two more witnesses shall come and give testimony of Christ and the Most High God to give as many people as possible the ability to turn their life over, to turn around and repent and give their lives over to the Most High God before it's too late. But, you know, hey, but it happened here already. It, like he said, they said it was John the Baptist. Before I, in, before I go to the next verse, are there any questions, comments, criticisms, or concerns? Okay. All right. So it says, um, in my Bible, it says a demonic, a demoniac boy healed. Verse 14. And when they would come to the multitude, there came to them a certain man, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed, for oft times he falls into the fire and off into the water. And I brought him to the to your disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Yeshua answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus, Yeshua, rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Yeshua apart and said, Why could we not? Why could not we cast him out? And Yeshua said unto them, Because of your unbelief. And I have to stop right there because that is, if you see that that's the main theme, 
the whole time we've been, we've been reading from chapter one until chapter until here. It's about unbelief. It's not that God doesn't work. It's not that we don't have the authority. It's not that the Holy Spirit isn't within us. If we have any unbelief, any sign of unbelief, it doesn't work. It does not work. We have to walk, talk, breathe, think, react, and act in the belief that we have the authority and power of the Most High God. And that if it's in his word, it shall be done. So, like right now, I'm sitting here at my table reading this, and I a lot wear glasses. And so now I'm like, Lord, I need to start standing on your word. I don't want to have laser surgery. I don't want to wear glasses anymore. I need to start speaking over myself. And what makes it so bad, I sit here and I fuss at my son, and I said it on more than one occasion. He, our children, up until a certain age, are our spiritual compasses. And one of the things that my son does that irritates me so much, and as I speak on it now, I'm like, okay, Lord, I get it. Is I internalize everything. But if I need, if I, for me to be a child of God, and to walk in my authority, I need to speak out of my mouth that which needs to be fixed, that which needs to be healed, breached, turned around. That is a thing. It cannot be a head thing. It cannot be a thought. Well, I thought it. I thought about it. And, you know, because my dad has that real good, well, I thought it out, and it, it it worked. But did you speak it out? No. Okay. So that's why it didn't work. I can think all day. I can write it down all day. But if I don't speak it out, it won't come to pass. Because everything that has been created, everything that the rebukes that Christ even did were verbal. It's not nothing is said. How how else would they know what was said unless he spoke it? That the life is in the power of the tongue. In the power of the tongue. Not in the power of the pen even though that's what the words, the world has a quote for that too. But death and life is in the power of the tongue. 
And so it says, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, and a grain of mustard seed, you can barely see it in the palm of your hand. That's how small a grain of mustard seed is. You shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind goes out, goes not out but by prayer and fasting. And while they abode in Galilee, Jesus said unto them, The Son of Man shall be betrayed into the hands of men, and they shall kill him. And the third day he shall be raised again. And they were exceeding sorry. So this is the third, this is the second time he let them know that he would be, he would be, um, Killed and on the third day raised again. But he gave a detail, an extra detail. He said, I shall be betrayed. And so this is that progressive revelation that, that Sam was talking about. Because Christ knew when he first came down here that he was going to. Have to be, he was going to be persecuted. He already knew that. But as you, again, as we look at the chapters up until now, it's been progressively revealed unto him how it was going to be done. I mean, he says, he says, now, first he said, he let them know that he should be killed. And on the third day, he shall rise. Now he's added the extra detail, I shall be betrayed. So even Christ is letting us know that as we are, thank you, Lord, as we progress in our obedience to what God is telling us to do, if he's already, so um, he told us to establish a church. Okay. So the first thing he did was he had Sam start the call first. And he told Sam this is going to be a church. But as Sam has been obedient and willing and walking, God has shown him more and more what each step is going to look like, you know, revealing unto him what each moment, what the changes are, what the choices are. The more he's walked in this thing, the more God has revealed. And so the the thing is, we have to look and see. If he did that for his his son, this shows you that even Christ, he says it. 
They said, where will you return again? He says, I don't know. Nobody knows but the Father. So he let us know. Even up until the time that before he actually left to go sit at the right hand of the Father, even me being the Son of God, I don't know every detail of how this is going to end and what's going to take place. I know how it's going to end, but what comes next, I don't know. All I can tell you is I will return. When? Couldn't tell you. What's the sign? Couldn't tell you. Just be ready. That's all he would say. Just be ready. Verse 24. <clears throat> now this says, the money in the fish's mouth. Verse 24. Um, that's the title of the, of the next couple of verses. And it says, and when they were come to Capernaum, they that received tribute money came to Peter and said, does not your master pay tribute? He says, yes. And when he was come into the house, Jesus prevented him, saying, what think thou, Simon, of whom do the kings of the earth take custom, custom or tribute? Of their children or of strangers? Peter said, I'm sorry, of their own children or of strangers? And Peter said unto him, of strangers, Jesus said unto him, Then are the children free. Notwithstanding, lest we should offend them, go thou to the sea and cast the hook and take up the fish that first come up. And when you have opened his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money that take and give unto them for me and thee. And that is the end of chapter 17. And, you know, and I'm glad it ended there because, oh, man. I can't say what I want to say. Uh, uh, uh. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Um, and this is and this is and this is one of the things that I have with the church today. We are um, our our foundation is Christ. 
And I understand that, you know, we have certain issues and we have things that we're trying to do and, and things of that nature. But we have to go back to the old landmark. There is a separation that needs to be done between the church and the state, the church and the government. Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Render unto the Lord what is the Lord. Because this is this right here in in Matthew seventeen speaks volumes to me. Um, you know, because we're always trying to find a, a cut, you know, trying to make things easier, which I understand. I really do. But at some point we have to understand that we cannot rely on anybody but God. He will cause us to have an abundant living in spite of everything. And so the little cuts and corners that we supposedly, quote, unquote, get from certain um, divisions of the government. They're blessings to bind. They are blessings to bind. You don't want to, because here he says, he says, what think thou Simon? Tribute money. Tribute money. Taxes. You know, we we don't wanna you know, we're like, Oh, well, we'll get the we'll get the we'll get the um what is it, the 501c3 or the 5012c or whatever, so that we can get a tax break. But even here, it says, they come and say, does not your master pay tribute? The thing is, they're not from Capernaum. We are ambassadors for Christ, you know, and usually an ambassador doesn't have to pay taxes or they have to they have to follow wherever they are and pay you know they go into a store, they don't flash their card and not pay whatever is there, they pay it. They go into a store, whatever tax it is in the country that they're in, they pay the tax for it. Because at the end of the day, you know, just like 
Christ said. He says, What think you, Simon? Of whom do the kings of the earth take custom or tribute? Of their own children or of strangers? And tribute is, listen to this, a tribute is We ask, what is a tribute? It's a payment made periodically by one state or ruler to another, especially as a sign of dependence. I bring this up because for us, for for the church to have a 501c3, there's, a, there's an annual payment that you have to, that the church pays to show dependence to the state or the ruler. So why with the church? want to make that annual payment because the church should not be depending on the government for anything. The church is supposed to be depending on God, the most high God, the one that you say is the rulers of the heaven and earth, that wherever you buy on earth should be born in heaven, loose on earth should be loosed in heaven. That is the one that we should be paying our tribute to. So we're paying tithes to God while we also paying a tithe, a tribute. We're paying tribute to God and then we're paying tribute to the government. So why are we depending on the government for anything? The church, the believer, should be depending on nothing but God. Nothing but God. So that means that you have to pay taxes to the government, and so be it. Christ did it. He said, he said, when are the children free? The children are free of that. You don't have to be dependent on, on this person, on the government. You don't have to be dependent on them. He said that lest we should offend them. Go to the sea, get a fish, there's a coin, we'll pay them tribute. That's the taxes. 
that you would pay if you didn't have the 501c3. Pay that. But that shows that you are, and there should be no offense. No offense given because you have done what you're supposed to do. But I digress. And I can, and that, that, that has always been an issue with me because when people pay their tithe, they're looking for that little super paper at the end of, of the beginning of the next year to file with their taxes. For what? Your tithes should not be a tax write-off. Your tithes is what you said you gave to honor God as a tribute for what he did for you. So you should not be expecting the government to give you money back for money that you said belongs to God to begin with. That's just me. That's just me. But when I when I when I read this before, I said, well, then he, he said, render unto Caesar, and he said, you know, give them the coin for the tribute, so there's no offense. But again, so that's the end of the Bible study for today. Is there any questions, comments, criticisms, or concerns? Well, I'm kind of in agreement with you on the um, on the on the ties and the 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 tax write off and um even the fact that they want you to um identify yourself when you you know like when you pay that you know you put an envelope and, and put your name on it um which is basically a way of asking who's paying and how much um isn't that, shouldn't that even be between you and God? I believe so. So whenever, for me personally, whenever I've paid tithes, I've just put money in the basket without name or nothing. You know, um, or I put it, I'll put it because I don't know what they do with the tonicus if the ties are for one part of the church function and the offering is for another part of the church function. I will put what part, I will put it in the envelope without my name. And I put what, what part was for tie, what part was for offering. And I put it in the basket. This is, you know, because my thing is. It doesn't. It doesn't matter if you know I'm doing it, as long as God knows I'm doing it, right? You know, and so yeah. So whatever, whatever I would pay to, I would not put my name on it. And it, it bothered me one time because I was, I was, you know, at long trying to count my money out, and. um I gave the envelope to the deacon, and he goes, you didn't fill it out. And I said, 
I know. You know, like, like I didn't know that because, you know, so again, they have the spot in it. And he was like, well, you need to put your name and stuff on here. And he will not take it until I put my name on there. So I put my name on there, and I gave it to him, and he took it and everything. But, you know, so even after that, I made sure whatever I did, you know, whenever I was able to pay time, I put it in the basket and kept it moving. Like, you don't need to know, if, you know, how much I gave, you know, who who it was and whatever. Right. You know, and, and you know, it's kind of bothersome because, you know, they do this thing now where they'll ask, well, who is a consistent tithe pair? Why would you put somebody on blast like that? Because you don't know. It's, it, it's not even about, and then for you to say, oh, I'm not saying it. <laughs> Because it, it, it's like never a child for it to me. You know, every once in a while they'll say, well, who's a consistent tie there? I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad, but, you know, I just, you know, just for whatever reason, you know, I just just want to see, you know, for, certain, for the sermon that I'm doing or whatever, who's a consistent tie there? Well, you don't know the situation of the other people. Well, you know, maybe they had a situation where they had to pay a bill or whatever, so they're not consistent. But for you to put somebody to shame them into being more consistent, that doesn't make them a cheerful giver. That makes it even harder for them to appreciate the fact that I need to pay my tithe. Again, maybe that's just me because I know where I've had situations where people are like, well, you need to pay a tithe. And I'm like, well, God knows where I'm at right now. Am I being disobedient? Yes and no. Because, again, it's that area where I prayed about it and I asked the Lord, you know, I took the money out for time, but then I had daycare to pay. Mm, I got to go to work, so I had to put the time money in for daycare. So, you know, but I gave time, or I gave, you know, so it's like those things that, that people look at, it's like, that's between you and God. You know, that's that, that relationship is between you and God. No one can tell you how to work your relationship between you and God. It's just like a marriage. No one can tell you how your marriage should look. If you and your husband have an understanding that you're going to be a stay-at-home mom, then nobody should put their mouth on you that, girl, you need to get a job. No, me and my husband have already come to the agreement that I'm going to be a stay-at-home mom. So, therefore, get your mouth off this. 
you know, just uh, you don't know what we've already discussed. You don't know what we've already decided between us. So, shush. <laughs> you know, if you're going to be a help, be a help. If you're going to be a blessing, be a blessing. If you can't do either one, then leave it alone. Exactly. And, and like, I'm sorry. Okay. And just like we're paying, like you were saying, paying tithes, that is between you and God. And for where people think, some people think that they can buy their way out. And we already know with God, He doesn't look at your monetary as much as what you think He does. But He asks us to give 10%. Okay, so the 10% of what you have or the time that you have, if that's 10% or better, okay, you're giving. Now, as far as putting your name on those envelopes with so-called preachers and other uh, men and people of the clergy, they have done some back stabbing, terrible things when it comes to money, that this way when the accountants get it, they can account for who gave what. Just to go ahead and show them that, okay, this is a member. They did give this. Our books even out. For like with the Catholic churches and some other religious churches, they were money laundering. Money for the um, for some games or some mobs and stuff like that. So that's why they want you to put your name on the envelope. So that way, when they look through their books, everything evens out. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, it could be your time. Okay, if you only got a dollar, okay, you put in ten cents. Okay, you did what you're supposed to do. Now, to put you up on blast for who gave what, um, as my pastor always said, you can't be God-given. So you don't need to put on blast for who gave what. Mm-hmm. Because that was within their own personal relationship with God. And as far as the taxes, okay, it's a shame that we're going back to uh, Robin Hood. We're going back to a, to a reverse Robin Hood. But see, these people who think that nobody can understand or comprehend the slide of hand tricks that they're pulling, they still have they, they still have to account for that. Um, when the Pope came out before this last election, he had warned them, and they choose to ignore what and he then they refused and they chose to ignore the word of God. So, but, you know, just like when Pharaoh said he wanted all the firstborn males to die, okay, God had told us for his people who believed in him what to do so the death angel could pass over their house. Okay, but in the meantime, the very person who put that out there, it came back on them because they never intended it to hit their own household. But just like we're pointing a finger, you point a finger at one person, 
but you still got three coming back at yourself. So, and then too, like earlier you said, we do look for the easy way out, but sometimes we need to go through the hard way to see the whole picture of what's about to happen. But then too, we have to stand hard on our faith in order to help see us through. Comments, criticism? Amen. Anybody have any other comments? Oh, I have a, I have a little testimony for you. Okay. And I was thinking on this the other day because it was, it kind of tickled me. Then I just said, look at God. Um, I had some relatives. When we were younger, we were always told um, by the time we got to like in our teenage years, okay, you, you do more outside your home. But then, too, you sold to be home by a certain time. Okay, so with my cousins, they was, we were always told you'd be home by a certain time because if you're, if you're late, chances are you'll get locked out. So I had one cousin. She was out with her friends partying and stuff. She missed curfew. Okay, her father had changed the locks on the door, so when she did come home, she couldn't get in. So luckily, the person, her friend who she was with, she spent the night over at her house. Well, the next day, she was able to get to the house, but, you know, she had to feel the way after the house. And so at that point, she was pretty much marked the black sheep of her family. Okay, now to come into modern day, I mean, come into reality time now, has a sister. Okay, and at the time of being an adolescent, okay, your parents look for you to do good in school, make good grades, try to stay out of trouble, and you pretty much have a gold shiny star on the front of your head. Okay, now for now they're older. The one that was considered the good one with the golden star in the middle of her head, she's stuck in a time warp. She's about 60-something years old, and she thinks that being in school is going to keep that gold star in the middle of her head. Her father is passed on. Her mother is still living. And matter of fact, she's gone back to dependent on her mother. She doesn't want to go any further because she thinks that being in school, getting good grades, is still going to keep that gold star in the middle of her head in everybody's eyes. Now, for the one who was considered the black sheep, she acquired much property. She goes through and she goes back and she helps out everybody else. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, look at God for what you want to claim on somebody. And that's why it comes down to the point of don't judge and don't ridicule because this person over here, you think that you have the right to do that, but then you never know. This also may be this also may be the person that 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 that's um, 
out there on a the boat trying to help you out of your rough rock, out, you know, out of turbulent water. Mm. I mean, you know, because it's down to the point, okay, everybody has done something in their life they're not proud of. But in the meantime, why let people or why you choose yourself to let yourself be in bondage by misdiscretions, past mistakes, because that's how people want to keep you in order to make themselves feel better. Mm-hmm. And then in the meantime, they're so busy trying to pick you apart, they're not keeping up with the maintenance of their own life. Mm. it's criticism. No, that's about right, though. That's about right. You find that that you find that happens all the time, and then when you when you look at them and they're like, you know, didn't you just go through something, and now you're coming at me and they're like, well. You know, you you can't when you point out the plank in their eye, they get offended. So it's it's just that's why it's just we have to remember to not compare ourselves, and that's one of the things I've learned in the last two years, is that you're going to have that person that comes into your life at one time or another that will do just that, point out your faults and point out what you did and didn't do. And Hey, baby. Good morning. Okay. Sorry. Um. You're going to have that person that comes in your life pointing out your faults or criticizing you for your choices. And then when you look at the, and my sister's favorite phrase is, you got to consider the source. Mm-hmm. You know, and so then you look at where they are, you know, first of all, um, and Eric, you, you noticed it, but you know, like I'm learning that I can't. There's a time and a place to defend yourself, and but there is no time or place to defend yourself because you have to rely on God to show you when to voice, opposition, because at the end of the day, you don't want to cause an accident, especially if you're in trouble, an an argument, sorry, that's what I was trying to say, an argument, because an argument does nothing, and Proverbs says all the time, it, you know, one foolish word. It's like a, a a soft word turns away wrath. We don't, as believers, we're not trying to cause anyone to get upset 
mad, offended, whatever. So when it comes to situations like that where you have the quote-unquote good sister and bad sister and the the good parent and and the good daughter and the bad daughter, it's only because of the way other people treat us that we start acting like that. But as we become closer in our relationship with God, then we have to take those labels off and just say, you know what? No, I mean, I can't, you know, like I can't speak for my sister, even though I love her dearly. I don't know what she's going through. I don't know what made her, you know, act the way she act or, you know, what made her stop. But all I can do is love her. Mm-hmm. That's all I can do. And that's kind of sad that, you know, you know, we, we look at things and we judge it, you know. And but when we start looking at things the way we're supposed to, it opens up a whole new understanding, you know. Because, like, I would be ragging on the lady right now, you know, right about now about how, you know, you know, just how the, how the parents show favoritism and, Yada yada yada. Now she's at home with mom and the other one that they thought was not going to end up doing anything. How she's accomplished. It's like that. And it, can you take that paper off the floor, please, please? Pick the paper off the floor in front of the chair. No? In front of the other chair? Is it that paper? Oh, okay. Okay. So yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's awesome, and I thank you for sharing that. Any other comments, questions, criticisms, or concerns? Any other comments, questions, criticisms, concerns? Go on once. Oh, Lord. Go on twice. Go on three times. All right. Okay, we're going to pray. Um, 
Hold on one second. Okay, sorry about that. All right, so um, are there any, we're going to do a prayer first. Um, and then we will um, take prayer requests. So, um, There are let's see. I don't think there's any I'm checking to make sure nothing has happened recently as far as like natural disasters or anything like that. Um Yeah, I got I got something to say on that natural disasters though. Yes, ma'am. Okay, now you okay, we all know about Harvey, Hurricane Harvey hitting Texas. Yes. Irma had came through and hit Florida. And then Maria wound up hitting somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then I realized what the acronym for that was. Yeah. You said what? I said the acronym for Harvey, Hurricane Harvey, Hurricane Irma, and Hurricane Maria. The acronym for that is HIM, H-I-M. Okay. Okay, because you know, for when they pick out names for um, hurricanes, they go by the different channels that makes up the different wind velocities that's coming together to form it. And if you 
look at the word him. In this case, it can be Harvey, Irma, and Maria. And not okay. only were these natural disasters, but they were pretty much horrific national disasters. Okay. Because man saw it coming, but as much damage as it did, they never would have thought that it would do that much damage. And in the aftermath of it, you saw the people who were grateful for still having their lives, but then you also saw the people who were heartbroken and distraught because all the material things they had was now gone. So it was really hitting to show where's your faith, who are you with? Comments, criticism? Mm-hmm. I'm still trying to figure out. Okay, you said it. the acronym is HIM. Yeah, H-I-M. Okay. So if you take the first letter of each of each of the names of the um, hurricane, mm-hmm. it, it spells out to be HIM. Okay. Plus, they were saying that for the way that the natural disasters came, it was also the same route that they used to go for uh, when they brought the slaves in um, for trade and from Africa. Okay. So basically, what you're saying, it spells out to be him. It's like, okay, God, God, God is tired of this mess and stuff that man has got himself into. Mm, okay. Okay. Because uh, I was trying to figure out where you were going. Okay, I got you. I got you. Yeah. So I guess better to explain it would be, okay, since... The natural disasters, hurricane spells out to be him, him, God. Okay. 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 Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's. Yeah. He's pretty much over us right now. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, Lord. Okay. So let's pray. Father God, we come. Um, 
right now. We give you thanks um, for all that you have done. The signs, the wonders, the things that you have um, put before us to remind us and to warn us that you are the Most High God and that you are the one who created our faith, that you're the author and finisher of it. You are the one who created us and we should worship you, the creator, and not the creation within us. Lord, we just thank you that you're you're awesome and you're wonderful and you're patient. And because of those things, we're able to say, yes, we're able to come on this line and have this Bible study and our prayer call and read your word in spite of everything that's going on around us. And so, Lord, as we go forward, we pray over all of those on all the lists from Sam's list, my list, the list of Pam, Renee, Erica. We pray for um, the teachers, Juanica, Lisa. Um, Jeannie and Arthur, we pray for their students and their schools, Father, their family, their friends, and their seven degrees of separation. And Lord, we just say thank you for your patience and your loving kindness. Thank you for your grace, mercy, salvation, deliverance. Thank you for presenting us with a way to come back to you for our good and for your glory. Let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, you're our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Are there any requests Amen. for prayer? You can pray for me. All right, Miss Pam. That's just a cheerio. Sorry about that. <clears throat> mm. All right, Lord, we come for Pam right now, and we give you thanks and honor for this woman of God, for this woman you have created and given purpose to, and the rite of passage. And Lord, we just ask that you will continue to keep her, love on her, bless her as only you can bless her. Because, Lord, you know 
There is no prayer that I could put forth, but I can speak this, Lord, as you give me. Okay, ma'am. Um, Pam, continue. Mm, oh, okay. Just like we held hands in the backyard of Sam's house several years ago, I spiritually hold your hand right now so that both of us can strengthen each other. And as we grab Lisa's hand, so that we can all walk the way God has been calling us to walk without fear. And in the substance of the faith that he has bestowed upon us, we are, we are going to drag each other kicking and screaming over this line that we refuse to cross. And I say kicking and screaming because we are overthinkers. And we take Erica's head as well. We are overthinkers. Go back and trip on that. And so, Lord, as we take each other's hand and we jump in, not walk, not put a toe, but we jump into the deep waters of your will. We give our faith unto you. Because you're the creator of our faith. We hold the mustard seed in our hand right now, God. And let it take root in our spirit as we jump in deep first. Left foot, right foot, into the deep of your will and obedience. Help us to keep our blinders on so that we have nothing but focus on you. Give strength to our limbs and our heart. Let us not faint. Let Pam not faint. Lisa not faint. Erica not faint. Let me not faint. not saying and what you have called us to do. 
Help us to hold on and watch the bloodstained banner as it goes before us and keep our eyes on the hills which come about. Your help is coming there. You've been warning a change, and it started last night. But now we jump into the deep, both deep, left, right, and there's no going back to us. Nothing but going forward. For the glory of God, go we. Go you, go me, Erica, everybody. In the name of Yeshua, I pray. Amen. 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 All right. Miss Erica. Child, child, child. Get ready for that phone call. No. And those cards are going in the garbage. Uh, sometimes, sometimes they they sometimes they may may seem that they're in here, but they're actually. Miss Ma'am, so get ready for the phone call. It's coming. There is a call that you and the conversation is gonna go like this. I've been I've been wanting to call, but that's how it's going to start off. The conversation is going to start off just like that. I've been meaning to call you, but I've been wanting to call you, but and that is going to be your um, your sign I guess you could say that this is your time. And I see it this is plain as day because it's gonna come in at a time where you go that man, I'm tired, I don't feel like being bothered. But it's at that time that um you're gonna need to answer the phone and just get it over with. And as and I say get it over with, but it's it's funny because it's when you're tired that you are the most bold in what you say because you just want to get it over and done with. It's like you know, like you go to a church meeting tired. If you're not rested, rested, and they ask you your opinion. And you're like A B C D E. You're very like you're not you're not watching what you say as much. So therefore, they get what you're saying, 
and they know that what you're saying to them is not sugar-coated, and they take it and they do whatever they're supposed to do, and they you know they run with it. Or the call that you're going to get is going to be that way. You're going to be tired because it's going to be after a long day. You're going to be mentally and spiritually just ready to go to bed, and your phone is going to ring, and it's going to start off, I meant to call you, or, or I've been meaning to call, or something like that. And they're going to ask your opinion. It's going to open the door for you to do what you're meant to do. So answer the phone, Erica. Don't just look at it and be like, oh, I'll talk to them later. Answer the phone and get it and, 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 and just let God be God. And that is what I have for you today. Amen. And we pray for Sam. Lord, we thank you for Sam, the creator of this call, the mediator that you put over this line. We thank you that he gave the opportunity for us to have this Bible study, we thank you for the opportunity to be a blessing to him so that he's able to rest um, this day and be able to sleep an extra hour or two. Um, we thank you that you continue to keep him protected from all hurt, harm, and danger. Um, continue to keep him continue to keep him and watch over him, his finances, his family, his friends, his seven degrees of separation. Uh-uh. And we speak that um, no weapon formed against him shall prosper. No weapon of sickness, illness, disease, infection, plague, or allergy. For viruses, chemical, fungal, man-made, bug bite, or parasite. We speak that no accidents, violence shall befall him. A thousand shall fall at his side and ten thousand at his right hand. But none shall come near where he dwells. In the name of Yeshua, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Any other requests? Comments, questions, criticisms, or concerns. You can pray for Renee. All right, that's Renee. All right, that's Renee. Do you have any appointments for today? Um, no, not until tomorrow. Not until tomorrow. Okay. Um, leave that alone.
Okay. My challenge for you is this. Um, Okay, Lord. Okay. Um, My challenge for you is this. For For the next for the week, for the week, is for, oh, Lord. Okay, so now I know. Uh, um, Oh, don't be mad. All right. So the challenge of the week is this. Um. What I see is when you're doing hair, hair has always been for the woman. Hair is the um, of covering. Hair is the covering for us. It's not the hijab. It's not a scarf or nothing like that. It's our hair. Um, and so what I see is this. Um, do not give. Do not give any verbal advice this week. Don't give any verbal advice this week. What I'm seeing is as you're doing your client's hair, that you're speaking in the spirit as you're doing their hair. And as you're speaking in the spirit, not loud, but you know how Sam says, like, um, very softly as you're washing their hair, as you're styling their hair, even before your clients come in this week. And if the, if the, if the spirit leads you to doing it next week as well, do it next week as well. But this week, just speaking in the spirit as you're doing their hair. And even even if they ask you your opinion, say, you know what, let me pray on it and I'll get back to you. Maybe I'll call you or when you come back again, I'll have an answer for you. But this week is basically you speaking into their spirit, man. And it's what I see is as you're doing that, not only will their hair start to grow, but they're you're planting a seed within their spirit where if they don't already know God, or have a relationship with God as you are speaking 
in the spirit to their spirit as you're doing their hair. You're changing their covering from being flesh to spirit. And and he and, and you're the vessel that he's using to bring them peace and helping them to open up and hear him and so that he can change their atmosphere. So let a word not come out of your mouth but spirit to spirit as like I said, as you are as you are washing their hair and cutting and blow drying and all of that stuff, as you're, you know, as you clean up as they're under the dryer, you're speaking in the spirit. All for that one client. So you have five clients this week, so you have five people that you're going to be speaking in the spirit for. Not getting into their drama or anything like that. Just you know, and they ask you over and they, what do you think? Let me pray about it and I'll let you know. That's all you give them, and then you go back to speaking in the spirit. Unless the spirit of the Lord gives you something verbally to say, just continue to speak in the spirit. And that is the charge that I'm seeing, like, for real, I'm seeing you just there, especially there's this one client, and I could be I could be off, but she's fair-skinned, and she has, like, shoulder-length hair, and she's, um, she's been going through, like, one thing after another after another. She's especially one that needs that care given because no matter what you have told her, she's been in this situation that she's been in long enough. And no matter what you said to her, even though she might have implemented it, she went back to doing things Um Same old, same old. So she started out doing it, you know, taking your suggestion to heart. But then she went back to doing things the old way. So just spirit to spirit, heart to heart. That's it. As you're doing her hair. Amen. Amen. And I'm going to tell you something. You hit the nail right on the head. And I will touch and agree with you on that because it'll be me being a, as, a, as a dual service, one doing the hair, two laying hands on them in the name of Jesus. And the thing of it is with her, she feels too much caught up into carnal and how people perceive her. Mm-hmm. I already know that she has some deep-rooted issues that she, it's hard for her to let go of. And she'll do other things or either talk about other people in order to mask that. But in the meantime, 
that problem is still there until she's willing to face it. And when she's willing to face it, that's the only time she's going to be released from it. Mm-hmm. So you get the nail on the head. Mm-hmm. And a matter of fact, when I do her hair and she starts talking to me about other people or other things, I tell her, I said, well, you need to uh, meditate and pray on it and let it go. But for the five people that I do have this week, it's something for where they look to get people to gravitate into the drama. And I'm not into the drama. Now, the appointment that I have tomorrow is a business one. But for the but for the people who I do their hair, you have to tell right on here because each and every one of them have a certain problem they 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 find comfort in even though they say they don't. And the reason why I say they find comfort in it because they 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 refuse to let go. They they refuse to work themselves up out of that hole. The door is open for them to go, but they just refuse to go. Mm. And then they look at me, and then they're like, well, how are you doing? How are you doing? I'm not trying to get caught up into the drama. I'm grateful. I'm thankful for what I have. But I'm here for a reason. For people who I come across their path, I ask them, what can I do to help them? Or if I see that they need some help, but it may be hard for them to ask for it, I go ahead and do it for them. But then at that point, I have to be careful because see, then people think, well, if you do this, then I can give you all of this. No, that's not for me to do. Now, in the meantime, they got more comforts and more this and more that than me, and then now you want to think that, okay, well, you're you're sitting better with than me, but if that's the case, then you should feel comfort within yourself, and I feel you have to find somebody that you feel like you can belittle because they have less than you in order for you to feel better and better. And then, too, to go back and find out where that wound came from, to give the person who stole that power from you and stop trying to steal power from everybody else in the wrong way. We can touch and agree. And that helps us to strengthen our own inner power. Because we give both of our powers when we get our powers to God. But to sit up here and to go into deceit and belittlement and stuff like that, that's not coming from God. Mm-hmm. And out of them seeing the calm in me because I have less to them, but I'm still getting up and I'm moving, it bothers a whole lot of people. But as long as I stay focused and calm, the things I need to work out, God, I spend God's hand working it out. 
and I can't get caught up because then, too, you know, because I know Sam always say, you know, you got to get up and move and clean up and this, that, and the other, and you got to because if you don't, then the good things does come do come by. Chances are we wind up chucking out the good with the bad because things are so cluttered, we don't know what's what. But if things are cleared open, you can see it perfectly. Mm-hmm. Also respect it, embrace it, treat it the way you're supposed to. And out of that, now that's the, now that's the obedience and the easiness that comes because see now you're learning how to not be caught up in the drama, the clutter. Also able to not always ready to think, oh, woe is me. But you're calm enough to ask for guidance and to go into those meetings with God and the Holy Spirit for you to do better. Also learn your lesson and also receive your abundance. Because in our abundance, it's not for us to sit up and hoard, but to, but to give us the tools to work with to go help out the other, the other things that he has in store for us to do while we're down here. Mm. 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 That's it, but you did hit the nail on the head because that's what I am definitely facing this week. Amen. Amen. Okay. Are there any other requests? Going once. Oh, pray for my neighbor Brenda. Your neighbor Brenda? Uh huh. Okay. All right, let me come for Brenda. Is there any date in particular? Um, I'll ask Sam to pray for her every now and then. I don't know what she's wrestling with, and it's nothing that has been put into my spirit to ask her. But um, every time Sam prays for her, she feels it. Okay. All right, Lord. Okay, so prayer for Brenda. Oh, Lord. Is she a believer? She is, but she's just like a tug of war. She will um, speak scripture. She will talk in tongues. But it's still something that's that's, that's, that's got her bound and gagged. Okay. All right. 
So, Father, we come for Brenda right now. Um, spirit to spirit, heart to heart, Lord. You know where she is. Lord, we just pray for her strength to continue in her walk of relationship with you. We ask, Lord, that you will watch over her and keep her from whatever it is that is attacking her. Lord, we speak to her, her tongue. Let it be released in the name of Yeshua so that she can begin speaking and voicing that which is in her heart of hearts towards you so she can be able to begin to praise and worship your name the way she feels it inside her spirit, God. We give your name the praise and the honor that only you deserve. In the name of Yeshua, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. All right, Lord. Okay. Are there any other um, requests? Okay. Comments, concerns, criticisms, requests, comments, concerns, criticisms. Oh, you know what, Felicia? Would you um say a prayer for uh, for Miss Lisa? She's not feeling well. Okay. All right. Um. Well, we come for. Lisa, and we come up because of her health. Lord, we ask that you will continue to keep her and watch over her. We speak a healing in our spirit, soul, and body. We speak against the attack that's against her right now to make her fit, to make her stop, to make her um, put her in a place where she's thinking, where she starts thinking about and looking around at her issues and circumstances. We'll put the blinds back on her, even in spite of how she feels, let her mind not rest on what she's going through, but who she's going through with, 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 which is you, Father. Lord, we just thank you for going through it with her and bringing her out of any financial, spiritual, or health difficulties 
at this time. And, Lord, for your glory and for her good, let your presence be felt to increase um, her mustard seed of faith for today so that she'll be able to move and have being and rest in spite of what her eyes see. In the name of Yeshua, we pray. Amen. 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 All right. Again, I thank you guys for, you know, y'all always be up here with me. I feel so blessed and highly favored. Um, Pam, if you could pray us out. You know, Father, all the praise and all the glory goes to you forever and ever. I thank you, Father, for this day and for allowing us to be able to enjoy it. Father, we thank you for this call, providing us with a place to come together for fellowship and to learn and to share in your word, Father. Father, we just we ask that you bless Sister Felicia, and we thank her for her obedience in waking up every month, every Monday and leading this call as instructed. Father, we pray for continued blessings for her and her continued wellness, not only for her but for our household and her family. Father, we pray that everyone who takes the time to either call in or to listen to this call later, that they will hear something on the call that will help them, Father, in their walk with you. Father, I pray that we are continuing to be a blessing to others in our day-to-day life, simply by acknowledging someone else's presence. It doesn't cost us anything, and it doesn't mean a whole lot to us, but it could mean the world to someone else. Father, we just thank you for waking us this morning because we know that there are so many people that had plans for today, but your plan changed everything. So, Father, we thank you for waking us and for giving us breath and giving us another day to try and and do better. Father, we thank you for your unconditional love, your mercy, and your grace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 All right, everybody. Have a blessed afternoon. Hear you in the morning. Okay, you too. Okay. Right. Have a blessed one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.